Hello and welcome to the Into the Adultverse podcast. My name is Fuad. And I'm DJ. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the science of sleep, some of our personal experiences, you know, dealing with sleep and things like that. And just uh, kind of like how sleep has evolved as a concept in our society to what it is today. Um, so we hope you enjoy the episode. And as always, if you have any critiques, feel free to ping us. So, yeah, so today we're here talking about something that I think a lot of people can really relate to as well. You know, most people out here, I would like to think everybody likes to have a good nap, having a good night's rest. <laughs> and this is actually a topic that can touch a lot of different areas. So there's a lot to talk about here. But for sake of brevity, we'll try to keep it as concise as possible. And maybe we'll have a follow up episode too if there's enough interest surrounding it. But where i guess where would you like to start with this one because there's like a lot we can talk about here. yeah there is a lot we can talk about uh i think sleep isn't a fascinating topic and i think the best way to start with it is to start with the science behind it and so i have some notes written up um kind of like on you know the science of sleep and sort of to gain a more fundamental understanding of what sleep is and i think that'll lead into you know the rest of our discussion so um if you don't yeah, mind sure. i'd love to start with that let's do it cool so uh sleep you know, we all know what sleep is and we all kind of have different ideas of like, you know, how much sleep we need to function properly. To be clear, I think the scientific research is very, very clear on this. Um, almost everyone, literally like 99.9% of the population needs at least eight hours of sleep. Uh, most people like from seven to nine, theoretically, most people um, need seven to nine hours, less than 0.00, like 0.01% of the population actually needs less than that, like can function optimally on five or six hours. Uh, but for some reason, so many people, <laughs> so many people think that, you know, I'm Gucci on four hours. I only need six hours, which is uh, completely false. So that's just an interesting thing to debunk. Um, so why do we sleep? Well, sleep is kind of the body's way to regulate a lot of different functions. Uh, but there's two main factors affecting your ability to sleep. Uh, the first one is the, your circadian rhythm, and the second one is sleep pressure. So your circadian rhythm is kind of like what generally tells your body to uh, regulate energy levels throughout the day. Um, this is like kind of affected by things like well, what you eat, um, you know, different chemicals in your body, but also uh, quite notably light. Um, so naturally, our circadian rhythms uh, kind of align with the cycles of the day. So as we are, you know... Um, going towards later in the day um there's less light in our environment and that kind of triggers our circadian rhythm to signal like a slowdown in energy levels versus in the morning when there's a lot of light and it's really bright outside like we're, we're more likely to be awake um and in particular like th there's different kinds of light that um kind of trigger this as well and that's brought about by how the sun interacts with with the atmosphere so like blue light is more likely to keep you awake red light is more likely to induce sleep things like that and then the second main factor that uh, affects your ability to sleep is sleep pressure. So circadian rhythm is kind of just generally tells you what time you should be sleeping, whereas sleep pressure is what actually initiates sleep. Um, so basically sleep pressure, you can think of it as like a buildup of toxins in the brain, um, namely adenosine. So adenosine is like a byproduct of like a bunch of other muscular activity and things like that. And these this product like kind of builds up in the brain. And then once it's at like its maximum point, you can say, uh, you just like get really tired and go to sleep. 
And that's kind of what triggers the initial like descent into sleep. And then as you're sleeping, um, this like byproduct is cleared out from your brain. Um, sleep is also responsible for a number of other things like muscular recovery and things like that. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of like a, a basic understanding of what sleep is and why we sleep. Yeah, definitely one of the best things you can do for yourself is get a good night's rest as I guess kind of putting what you just said in a more succinct way. Sleep kind of is the Swiss army knife of health benefits. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like when you get into that deep sleep stage, that's where your, your kind of sewage, your system is really working to clear out all the toxins that are built up throughout the day so you can wake up refreshed and that's why it's really really important that you do get a proper night's rest because if you don't there's almost compound interest that builds up with all the toxins that accumulate in your brain Uh, one of the biggest reasons i'm really advocating for sleep um, especially like within the younger generation where we kind of tend to think we're invincible like nothing can hurt us uh, especially, uh, especially sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this like sleep machismo when it comes to people our age, where you know we'll be in school, whatever, and you know it's almost like a, and there's a very uh, abrasive way to put it, but it's like a dick measuring contest when it comes to how much, how little sleep you got the night before. Oh, it absolutely is. It's it's hugely an ego thing, and I think especially in certain crowds, we've come like come to consider this a badge of honor. Like, oh, I only oh, slept three so hours. Um, and it's so toxic, like, especially in fields like medicine where, you know, you're making life or death decisions. And for you to be on an hour of sleep doing that is probably not a great idea, especially because, you know, your critical reasoning skills are drastically, drastically reduced if um, if you don't get enough sleep and things like that. Like, it just makes zero sense to me. But some certain fields are obviously more prone to it than others. But it's just like a horrible thing to, I think, compete on. Exactly, especially when like the evidence is so clear there on the adverse effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but what again, like one of the things that I'm really interested in when it comes to sleep is the onset of things like Alzheimer's when it comes to the adverse effects of not getting proper sleep. Um, just the whole area of like the whole umbrella of dementia, but like Alzheimer's specifically, and I, I don't know how many people have seen that firsthand how devastating the effects of Alzheimer's can mm-hmm. be when somebody slowly sees their identity slipping through their fingers they can't even remember who they are anymore but there was a study that was conducted where they would have a participant sleep for eight hours but they used auditory they played auditory tones to prevent them from going into deep sleep which is like i said the that regenerative part of sleep right and the day after, they analyzed the composition of their cerebrospinal fluid, and they saw a marked increase in the beta amyloid and tau protein buildup. And those are the, so I think there's a little more evidence for tau protein and how it's linked to Alzheimer's, but those are the two leading markers, uh, I want to say, of uh, Alzheimer's onset. Mm-hmm. So, and this is just over one night. So if you consider, if you keep doing this like day after day, night after night, you're not getting proper sleep, it's just compounding. Right. And 100%. you're greatly exacerbating the risk of um, getting that. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting concept too, because a lot of people have this idea that they have like a sleep bank where they can take out sleep yeah. debt and then pay it back at some other point, you know, whatever oh. that is, like if that's when exams finish or if that's the, you know, like summer vacation or like on the weekend you sleep in, that's completely false. So like, First off, the averages don't work out. 
like let's say you sleep five hours a night because you know you need three more hours in the day you know you're losing 15 hours of sleep during the week and you're trying to make that back in two days that means you need to sleep if you're sleeping eight hours which is normal you need to sleep 15 hours on both of those days that that's the equivalent to like sleeping at nine and waking up at like 1 p.m the next day like you nobody's sleeping at nine first of all second off like 1 p.m <laughs> like that's 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 a little bit of a stress so like even just numbers wise that doesn't work out but like also like concept wise that doesn't work out because your body is under duress for five days getting it sleep enough sleep for two days it doesn't mean that you're combating you know whatever damage you've done to it throughout the week yeah and there's so much it's again like kind of touching on the idea of um, it being the swiss army knife of health benefits Um, most people just tend to focus on the physical benefits of it but if you look at it you know there's a lot of cognitive benefits obviously to be had as well Mm -hmm. things from everything to do with um, improving your memory um, to even affecting your creativity and your ability to for abstraction and it's something again like because it's something not as there's no real solid metric for it that you can see that's mm-hmm. what most people don't tend to bring that to light but there have been plenty of examples through history of how sleep has facilitated the the, de- the development of i want to see like really innovative ideas and creativity mm-hmm. uh, one of the most prolific examples being the periodic table so mm-hmm. uh, mendeleev actually dreamt up the idea of this organizational structure for all the elements that they had uh, within what is now known as a periodic table in his sleep when at the time like nobody had no idea had any idea as to what would be the best way to organize it just i don't know but he was able to do that in his sleep and another example being um edison which i think that edison's is probably the most famous example um he had this habit of basically he would hold with the metal ball balls bearings, yeah, yeah 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 in his hands and um he would have a pen and notepad right next to him and he would basically just let himself go to sleep. And as he was drifting off, the ball bearings would slip slip out of his hands, fall on the floor. And the that sudden thud of hitting the floor would wake him up. And he would immediately pick up that pen and just jot down whatever was on his mind. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Edison too because Edison is, um, in historical lore, um, quite often touted as like a symbol of like the no sleep movement. Because apparently he used to sleep like three to four hours a night only. And he would like take micro naps throughout the day. And like, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting concept, but it's like, I think there's so much like media around like, Oh, like people like Elon Musk and like other people who like sacrifice their sleep and are because of that are more productive. When in reality, like for most people, if you're not sleeping enough, like you're not being productive with that time. Like you're probably wasting that time or what, if you are using that time, it's at a decreased quality. So it's almost always in your best interest to sleep more. Plus like, I don't know, man. Like, I know a lot of people who stay at work for an extra three hours and don't get shit done. So, like, you could just stay for Mm -hmm. three lost hours, get a lot more done in that time, and focus a lot more. And I think focus is such an interesting thing because it's so linked to sleep. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure everybody's felt this personally as well. If you can't, like, if you you haven't had a good night's sleep, it's so hard for you to focus. Um, So, definitely an interesting point. But, like, going back to Edison um, and, like, the concepts of, like, biphasic or monophasic or, like, polyphasic sleeping um so for those of you that do don't know this basically the concept that you know we're not supposed to sleep like during one stretch for eight hours rather like sleep is meant to be like kind of broken up into like other segments so i actually had a good friend of mine try this um while she was interning 
um, at some company that like had nap pods and shit. So she was like kind of blessed in that sense, but she would do like, um, kind of like a three hour deep sleep period during the night and then like two, one and a half hour naps. Um, and so the reasoning behind that is like sleep is kind of split into like 1.5 hour increments or 90 90 minute increments where you go through three stages of sleep in that one and a half hours. Um, so you don't actually enter REM sleep if you're sleeping for like less than like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, so like most naps, for example, like you won't actually be entering REM sleep. You, you, you enter like kind of like the first stage of sleep, um, and not the second or third where some of the more like formative aspects of sleep are. So the, the concept is, um, you're still getting like four full sleep cycles. They're called, uh, because you're doing like the two during the night and then two during the day. Um, and she hated it. <laughs> she said it was horrible. Um, and you know, some people have had success with it. Some people haven't, but I think especially our society these days is so structured to having that one, like, you know, um, kind of clear period for sleep. It's really hard to, um, sort of like structure your day around having a one and a half hour nap at 2 PM or something like that, especially with work and things like that. So, okay. I, I, I don't want to like belabor the point too much, but yeah. like, I have a couple of questions when it comes to that. So I don't know yeah. how deeply you talked to her about the, how she structured this, but like yeah. how long did she do that for? So she did that for about three months. Um, so oh, three months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a week where, you know, there's obviously transition period. Um, and she did say it got a lot better, I think, after after the first couple weeks, because there is obviously a transition period, as there yeah. is with any kind of sleep change. Um, it takes your body some getting used to. And I mean, she did notice that, like, she was feeling less tired. And I think that's just inevitable as, like, your body adjusts to something. But I just think that for her, it wasn't sustainable in the sense that she would have to, like, take time outside of, you know, work to, like, find that time to sleep, um, right. which, like, might be possible if like as, as a software engineering intern at like a country <laughs> company, but like it's, it's pretty difficult for most people in real life. And even as an, as, as a software engineer, it's not the easiest thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I also think that like, uh, the, like the, the benefits of it. So it, namely that like additional five hours during the middle of the night, uh, kind of like didn't outweigh the cost of like, you know, feeling a little bit less focused and also having to take an hour and a half out of your day during the middle of the day. You know what I mean? I think that was the main reason why she ended mm-hmm. up, um stopping so she ended up but she ended up feeling i guess a little more acclimated to it towards the end of it though yeah like she, she definitely did like but she 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 did mention that she didn't feel as good as like when she would get eight and or eight or nine hours of sleep a night so like reg- she did that for three months wow yeah 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 it's pretty crazy um because like the the reason why i was just kind of questioning that because like in doing a little bit of research for this i came across what is known as like delirium trims yeah uh, i've heard I, of it so yeah, so uh, I guess it's just briefly, it's basically um, symptomatic of like alcohol withdrawal, uh, typically. So what happens is your brain tends to be really generous with REM sleep, and it wants to give you as much REM sleep as possible mm-hmm. um, when you get through a proper night's rest. However, when you drink... Wait, pause. For those who even, might not know, um, let's just explain like the concept of REM sleep. So REM sleep like stands for like rapid eye movement sleep. It's essentially like the third stage of sleep uh, right after your most deep stage of sleep where you're actually like kind of closer to waking, but it's the stage where like you have a lot of eye movement and it's where you dream. Um, So that stage of sleep is actually where the body does a lot of, it's like regenerative functioning. Um, So like including like releasing things like growth hormone and things like that. So is it stage four? Is it stage four or stage three? I think it was, I think it was stage four because there's three stages non-REM. 
And oh, then right. Okay, stage yeah. four is REM. Yeah, and, and stage, then stage three, non-REM is the deepest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so when it comes to yeah so uh your but your brain is very generous when it comes to REM sleep and it wants to yeah like pump you up with all these dreams and whatnot for sure but when you drink or even it's been seeing more now that like when you get high when you smoke some nice herb uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the even though people think that they sleep better during that period it's more akin to being sedated as opposed to being properly asleep mm-hmm. and what happens is that you build up this like REM credit almost during that point. So you because your body isn't able to go into REM sleep during that point of um, that cycle of being drunk or just continuous drinking or just mm-hmm. inebriation. Once you do stop um, drinking for a little bit or smoking weed for a little bit, what happens is that all that built up REM credit basically comes in all at once and you'll see that you have some really crazy vivid dreams Mm -hmm. like that night after and what's crazy is that like if you go on for long enough though without allowing your body to go into REM sleep it can actually spill over into wakefulness and like that's when you start having some of these like delirious episodes you start hallucinating and it's just you know that's a crazy crazy state to be in yeah and uh, even with REM sleep um, the how it mirrors a psychotic episode is pretty crazy to think about and like just i guess this tangential relationship with psychedelics and sleep is like there (laughs) there was this quote i ran into from uh dr matthew walker on rem sleep which i was i thought was like very interesting really elucidates the relationship between psychosis and um or rem sleep he said we become flagrantly psychotic when we go into dream sleep because we see things that aren't there so we hallucinate we believe things that can't possibly be true, so we're delusional. We get confused about time, place, and person, so you're disoriented. You have wildly fluctuating emotions, so you're affectively labile. And how wonderful that you wake up and you can't remember any or most of it. So we're also suffering from amnesia. Mm. So we go through like all of these different things when it comes to sleep. And it's just crazy how your brain is just able to systemize, systematize this in such a way where even like your prefrontal cortex, for example, is kind of quieted down during that period, mm-hmm. which is also um, reminiscent of how your brain is on psychedelics. Yeah, so it no, was just for sure. a bit of a cool tangent. That's uh, really cool. No, no, I think it's a really cool tangent because it just kind of like is indicative of the fact that like, you know, when you're not on sleep, you're pretty much like in the same state. And, and increasingly, as you're not sleeping, you're pretty much in the same state as you would be if you were inebriated um and like also all the psychedelic effects as well so it's just like it's crazy to think that people really think they make better decisions you know because they're Mm -hmm. working harder because they have five hours of sleep on them instead of like eight which is incredible incredible but yeah that's a really really cool tangent for sure and in particular the note about like higher order functioning like higher order functioning is like the number one thing to take a hit you know when you're when you're sleep deprived like there's a number and number of studies done on this that show that you know when subjects um like have, you know, even one to two hours less of sleep a night, their ability for higher order thinking and critical thinking is extremely, extremely decreased. And that includes things like even planning ahead for appetite. Um, So like the two, the two hormones that um, like control hunger, leptin and ghrelin, like those are extremely affected by sleep and your circadian Mm -hmm. rhythm. So like 
you're you're less likely not only to have control over what you eat in terms of like the decision making process like oh this is healthy i should eat this because your you know your your frontal lobe functioning is decreased but in addition like you also feel hungrier because those hormones haven't been properly reset by your night of sleep mm. so it's just a recipe for disaster in in terms of so many things for sleep um and i think that there's this really good book out there and it's where i've gotten like a lot of the information i talked about in the beginning of this episode from uh it's called why we sleep uh really really good book it's on bill gates's uh reading list as well that's where i found it um but i think there's a really good quote from there that says sleep is the number one thing you can do to increase your lifespan by far mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. regardless of any medicine even exercise like sleep is the number one thing you can do to increase your lifespan and if that's not such a telling quote like kind of like the swiss army of healthcare um you know i don't know what it is yeah and the, there's also the notion of um practice makes perfect but yeah it, there's it's actually it's just there's like one more tenet to that it's actually practice with a good night's sleep makes perfect oh yeah because that's where most of um uh, the i guess like learning unconsciously happens and you're able to cement that um yeah that's another thing about sleep too you know uh when it comes to learning so we have two modes of learning that we typically engage in. There's um, a focused and a diffused mode of learning. Mm -hmm. So focus is like when you're just like there in front of the problem. You're like learning inf new information for the first time. And once you unplug, that's when your diffuse mode of learning starts coming into play. And then your brain starts connecting all of these things in the background. So there's, you know, sometimes when you're stuck with the problem, people will tell you, oh, just sleep on it. Mm -hmm. so when you do do that and for example like with uh, Mendeleev and the periodic table right he slept on it his brain was working that diffuse uh, mode of thinking and then when he woke up he had just this revelation mm -hmm. which is again another really great aspect to um, to sleep when uh, learning so another thing there was a study or like a survey um, conducted by the Rand Corporation I can't remember how long. This was a couple of years ago. And when putting numbers to the problem of a lack of sleep, I guess that's what that's how you're able to picture it a little better. If they found out that it costs most nations about 2% of their GDP every year. Mm -hmm. um, and in the US, that translates to about $400 billion just because their workers are not getting a proper night's rest. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. $400 billion just down the drain. Yeah, and it's, it's for something that's completely, completely avoidable, you know? Um, yeah. And something that, like, has a lot of cultural influences as well. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. kind of going on the topic of sleep, I think a, a really interesting topic as well is caffeine. And, like, sort of the concept that, you know, who cares about your sleep? Just drink a cup of coffee. Drink two cups of coffee. Like, you'll be fine, right? And I, we all love coffee. You know, I, I drink about Hell two cups yeah. of coffee a day, even when I get enough sleep. So I, I love coffee, but... Let's let's be very clear. Coffee is not a substitute for sleep whatsoever. No. Um, so the way coffee works is um, coffee uh, or like caffeine specifically, the, the chemical strand um, blocks the action of adenosine in the brain. Um, so that's kind of what causes the wakefulness like brought about by caffeine. So adenosine, as I mentioned, is what is like built up in the brain. And so when you block the receptors for adenosine, it can't attach and it can't build up in the brain in the same way. And because of that, you tend to feel more awake. But like I mentioned, that's just like the instantaneous feeling of falling asleep. So that'll prevent that. But it doesn't really affect your energy levels in a larger sense because that's more determined by your circadian rhythm, right? 
And so or your cognition too. Yeah, exactly. Or your cognitive ability. So your cognitive yeah. abilities actually do continue to decline. Even if you feel more wakeful, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, your like, you know, your decision-making processes and all those capabilities are still decreased to quite a large extent. Um, so that's a very interesting thing to think about as well. When you're considering that like caffeine isn't a replacement for sleep. And we've like, you know, caffeine is such a huge part of American culture and European culture as well. Um, and it definitely has its uses. And I think, you know, a lot of people use it, you know, before they go to the gym or things like that to give them a pump. And I think it, like that's great in terms of like a cultural and like a temporary fix. But under no circumstances should people be relying on caffeine to kind of like alleviate a bad night of sleep. And, you know, there are a lot of guidelines on this, too. Like, for example, like don't be drinking ca- a coffee after like 2 p.m. if you're sleeping you know, like at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. because it'll it'll affect your sleep, which is obviously true. Um, and a really good indicator of like whether or not you've had enough sleep the night before is if you need a coffee before 12, like 12 noon. Because if you need mm-hmm. a coffee before 12 noon, what it likely, likely means is that you just haven't had enough sleep because typically your circadian rhythm wouldn't have, you know, um, kind of started a decrease in energy levels. Like, you know how we all get that like, oh, I'm super sleepy after lunch feeling. That's because your circadian rhythm kind of naturally um, results in a decrease in energy around like 1 to 2 p.m. And if you need a coffee before then, like before 12 noon, uh, you can be pretty certain that you're not getting enough sleep. So that's a really, a really good way to kind of tell if your habits are good or not. Yeah. And like even one of like the scarier parts about it for for me, for us as like guys, I guess, is that they found that for men who sleep five to six hours a night consistently they actually had a level of testosterone as someone 20 who years. was 10 years their senior oh is it 10 years okay yeah. it is 10 years yeah, yeah. okay so good like, phew <laughs> yeah oh yeah because that's yeah that's so much better i thought it was 20 for a second yeah no nah, but like, that's that's whack like who's trying to be aged like 10 years 30 for into the future oh, where, like, I'm me, like, yeah <laughs> couldn't be me i'm trying to be like young and i don't know virile yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I, yeah that's literally the word that came to my head but i didn't want to say it but, yeah <laughs> right, i have no such qualms yeah as you can see but yeah no yeah. that's that's no, huge and like testosterone affects a lot of lot of really important things mood regulation you know like muscle tone physical fitness physical ability if you're an athlete man and i know every athlete listening to this knows every athlete gets eight hours of sleep because they can't perform the way they need to perform if they don't have eight hours of sleep. And that's just a fact. Um, They can't recover as well. You know, their muscles don't rebuild as well. Their joints aren't like, you know, set the same sleep is so, so essential to being an elite athlete. So, which is why, but like this, this is, that's an interesting point just because obviously with, yeah, it's very evident when it comes to elite athletes. Cause like, every little thing can have market effects on their performance definitely. and sleep being like definitely one of the greater things. But when it comes to quote unquote, like us regular folks, mm-hmm. sleep doesn't seem to be as important. And like, even like your employers typically, they don't really care about how much sleep you get as long as you're making it to, to work on time. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to things like our education system, right, we're forcing kids to wake up super early just to come into school. And it's already very evident that there've been plenty of studies conducted on how, just that hour difference of starting school rather than eight o'clock and nine a.m. can have market improvements on a kid's performance through school and their grades. Mm-hmm. Just that extra hour of sleep, and when you have all of this evidence here, it's just crazy how like nobody's really working to implement that into a working cycle mm-hmm. in our days. 
and I don't know, like even this the whole forty hour work week. Like this is this super arbitrary thing that seems to be an artifact of I don't know if it's from like the industrial revolution or what. Yeah, but yeah, with people doing factory shifts from like, you know, for eight hours at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Super arbitrary. Like they just set this hour and like there have been plenty of studies also conducted on how actually the most famous and most recent one I think was when Microsoft tried it in Japan, where they tried a four day work week. And just across the board, all the metrics were better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, that's really, really interesting. And like, it just goes to show like quality versus quantity type thing, right? Um, yeah. Bef- before we get kind of get too far down the, the topic of that, I wanted to like go back to what you said about schools and like starting an hour later. So I think I was reading a study the other day too that was really interesting that said like teenagers, as, as you get into your teenagers, so like 14 to like 17, you actually um, biologically end up needing to sleep later in the day later right? yeah yeah yeah. so teenagers naturally like are more likely to wake up at like 10 a.m than 7 a.m and that's a completely natural and regular thing for people in their teenage years so it's just incredible Mm -hmm. that like i think all of us have had that moment of tension with our parents and our teens when you like sleep in and stuff and it turns out like that's a biological necessity like teens sleep in all teens from any country across the board tend to sleep in and so there's definitely been a huge push, I think, in the scientific community and not necessarily has it been reflected in policy to like maybe like for middle schoolers and high schoolers, definitely like increasing school start times to like, you know, 10 a.m. would be a huge, huge, huge advantage. And I think it's it's so incredible that like we have all these all this evidence, but it's like not being backed up by policy. Um, and it's sort of arcane the way like we kind of consider these like artifacts, like you said, like you know the school bell and like all that sounds like a prison bell but like you know that's that's a whole nother rabbit hole (laughs) but in particular sleep like affects students scores and students like cognitive ability so hard like so highly that i would think that that would be one of the priorities for the education system for sure yeah and again going back to like the quality versus quantity of sleep because like again like you said they naturally want to sleep in so their circadian rhythm kind of adopts to that absolutely and they're sacrificing so that even if they do get eight hours of sleep the night before like they may not be getting that proper quality of sleep Mm -hmm. which is just as if not more important than the quantity of sleep that you're getting Mm -hmm. because if you're not touching that deep sleep state then you're not really you're not getting that regenerative benefits that sleep can yield Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so let's talk more about that sweet quality concept because like you mentioned like and as we've been talking about quality over quantity in terms of working hours, but quality over quantity in terms of sleep as well. Not in terms of like, obviously you need to get eight hours of sleep, but that eight hours of sleep isn't always necessarily the same quality. So yeah, um, I think like some practical advice we can talk about is like, there are a number of things that you can do to like get a better night, better night worth of sleep. Um, and there are things that can like determine the kind of quality of sleep you have. And I think the number one thing, across the board that's recommended is being consistent with what time you wake up and go to sleep at. Um, that's pretty much the best thing you can do in terms of ensuring that you get a good night's worth of sleep, going to bed at the same time every night and go- waking up in the morning at the same time every night. And so I'll talk a little bit like kind of like about my personal experiences with this. Um, you know, it's really hard as a student to, I think, go to bed at the same time every night, especially when like it's Friday night and your boys are going out. Um, or you have a midterm the next day, it's Tuesday night and you have an assignment also due the next day. And you're like, okay, you know, I have to take the L today. And there are a lot of things we can do in terms of like scheduling. Maybe we'll make an episode on like time management and things like that. But I think what's really, really important and what's helped me a lot is just keeping my wake up time consistent. So what I'll do is like, Mm -hmm. I'll make sure I wake up the same day at the same time, no matter what. 
And if I end up needing to sleep later, because, you know, let's say like I, I'm out and like I'm with friends and like I don't want to leave at like, you know, 11 p.m. to go sleep because like the boys are trying to hang out until like 2 a.m. I'll do that and I'll like I won't sleep in. And, um, you know, this is just what's helped for me personally. I'll, I'll do that. I'll stay up until 2 a.m. I'll go to sleep. I'll still wake up at 630 or whatever it is, seven o'clock. And I'll just make sure that for the rest of that day, I don't drink a coffee and then naturally, because I'm so tired from like not getting enough sleep, I'll sleep early that night. You know what I mean? And it'll kind of naturally mm-hmm. reset itself. And as long as I keep that wake up time consistent, it's been a lot easier for me to keep that one thing consistent for myself rather than like, you know, coordinating both times or like saying no to friends and things like that. I found that like overall, my sleep quality throughout the week has been pretty good. So what's your uh, experience with napping? Yeah. So napping, napping is a, like a, a great thing for sure. Um, you know, with this whole work from home thing, I've, I've definitely had my share of experiences napping. Um, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not personally as much of a fan of napping in my own life. Like I, I did do it for an extent uh, when, when my class schedule allowed me to. I used to have like a break between like 3 and 4 p.m. like for class. Right. So I would do it then. Uh, but personally, I find that napping doesn't really help me on a daily basis. Uh, just because like I, I, it's really hard for me to set aside time throughout the middle of my day to like actually go and actively nap. Um, right. If your company doesn't allow for it in terms of like having a nap room or something like that, it's pretty hard. But I will say that one thing I've always done throughout my entire life, and you know, I, I would say I get like decent grades, so I don't know if this has helped at all. Before every midterm, and most midterms are like you know seven or eight p.m. Before every yeah. single midterm, like I think throughout the history of like university and almost every exam unless it was like a really early morning exam and i just woke up what i do is let's say the midterms at 7 p.m i'll go to sleep at 6 p.m and i'll set a 30 minute or a 25 minute timer it'll take me about like three or four minutes to fall asleep i'll sleep for 20 minutes i'll wake up i'll eat something sugary and then i'll go to the exam and that's how i've written every single one of my exams and midterms and i think Like what really helps there is that like obviously like sleeping right before, as we mentioned, sleep has so many, so many benefits in terms of diffuse learning. So what I think is like it it sounds it sounds kind of weird. But what I do is when I sleep, I actually try and imagine like a network of knowledge from that subject. Like let's say I'm doing like microcontrollers or like circuits or like algebra or whatever it is. I like I'll go to sleep like thinking about like, you know, the kind of like the structure of the course as like a tree. And like, you know, this topic, it relates to this topic, this topic relates to this topic. And I'll like think about that image and then I'll fall asleep and I'll wake up. And like, I swear to God, I just feel so energetic and so good, like ready to go for the exam. And I think there might be something in terms of like the diffuse learning there where like, you know, your your, your brain is trying to make these connections to different topics and like solidify those networks. Um, And it might just be because I study last minute. So I'll take any like help I can get. Um, but I found that, that to be like a really, really huge tool and the sugar obviously kind of like helps keep you awake throughout Just the hype you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when it comes, so yeah, I, I definitely think that there's definitely the diffuse mode. So you have the, so you have the focus mode there, like as you're consciously thinking about it, then you have the diffuse mode where it, your brain takes what you were last thinking about when it's kind of working at it. Exactly. And I think that's also a really great practice for like, whenever you learn something new, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a habit that can help bolster your memory too. Mm-hmm. When you learn something new, just thinking about how it relates to maybe other things that you know. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, as anybody that will tell you, like, when you start learning more about, like, just this diverse array of things, you think that the, the, the most randomly 
the most tangentially related things you'll find have this like random straight this network there where it's touching upon like things you would never have imagined that it would even be related to absolutely and that's actually like a i haven't done it recently but used to, i used to play this little game with myself where like i'll just pick like two random objects that like i see wherever and i'll just try to think about like okay what what are some commonalities between them like what kind what thread attaches these things to uh, these two things together mm-hmm. and it came from learning about creativity and a couple of different people have mentioned that creativity really is just the ability to put finding commonalities or threads between two seemingly unrelated things and putting mm-hmm. them in a way that nobody's ever done before mm-hmm. and that that's, novelty is where like creativity really shines that's a really really cool point yeah continue yeah continue. so they just like, have it, it. yeah <laughs> um but and then i guess like that habit of getting to sleep right before your um, exam or test mm-hmm. also helps consolidate the things that you learned about. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things everybody says, like, rather than cramming the night before, just, like, learn what you can and get a proper night's rest. Mm-hmm. So at least the things that you do, that you did manage to cram, at least it'll stay in your memory. As opposed to cramming everything down your, into your brain and then, like, forgetting the majority of it come exam time. Yeah, it's hard because yeah. I think our system kind of rewards you know, that short-term focus where like, it doesn't really matter if you know things like seven days after the exam, all that matters is that, you know, things through like during the one and a half hours or three hours of the exam. And so like, I, I know a lot of people who like, you know, pull the all nighter and like literally go into the exam after having just done a problem statement. And like, obviously, yeah, like it's to some extent you can get pretty good marks doing that. Um, but I think it really ends up biting you in the ass. And I kind of experienced this in my third year of studies where like, you know, maybe you can do that for a couple of years, but then like if you're really trying to go to grad school or like even in your fourth year courses that kind of are cumulative and build up on a lot of knowledge, you won't re- you won't remember anything that you did. You won't remember anything. And so it gets really, really hard to like kind of progress in terms of your knowledge because you won't be able to kind of build upon the previous knowledge that you have because that doesn't exist anymore. That's not consolidated yeah. because you haven't been sleeping on it. So that's actually like a topic that I'm like super interested into it when it comes to the education system as a whole because i think that's a fundamental problem within the education system here in north america as it stands because the way it's structured is that most people are simply learning just for that test just for that exam and like they don't care about what happens to that knowledge after mm-hmm. as opposed to wanting to learn from a genuine from a genuine place of curiosity and i think even and, like, if you do will... want to learn from a genuine place of curiosity it's kind of diluted by the system because the system rewards you if you focus on the exam you know what i mean your grades are yeah, based on your exactly. exam not your intention right so that's what i'm saying and i mean like, obviously there are you, you'll find that people who are genuinely interested in certain things they will tend to perform better in those subjects than their peers um typically but again people have different testing styles and just because certain people are good at you know just the the standardized testing we have now doesn't mean that they're good at you know they're actually good at that subject they're just good at testing oh yeah if that makes sense and you know there's the this is i don't know if it's actually einstein that said it but it's often attributed to einstein the fish if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it will go the rest of its life thinking that it's stupid yeah yeah that's a really good quote um -hmm. you know it's kind of been memed to an extent but it has. Yeah, um, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely agree with it in terms of like our education system. But I think we're we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent, so we'll bring it back to kind of like the topic of, you know, what are some strategies for getting a good night's worth of sleep? Um, 
so like i mentioned like obviously sleep like wake up times and and you know sleeping times have to be consistent and that's something very important it is it yeah. is hard to do you know with parties and stuff but like try and try and just do it as best you can <laughs> even five days a week is fine i don't think most people here are partying four or five nights a week so it should be okay exactly. if you are i guess that's your new normal so just you know do your sleeping around that um but another really important thing that i've been like taking really seriously over the last couple of years is blue light um mm -hmm. so like i mentioned before your circadian rhythm is affected by by light quite to, to a large extent and the way it's affected by light is um different wavelengths of light um trigger different like responses in your uh, circadian rhythm response so essentially you can imagine um when the sun goes down typically there's more reds and oranges and that's a result of like you know longer wavelengths go traveling through uh, traveling further through further atmosphere and then the blue light from the sun kind of being scattered so as the day gets later or later on light becomes more red and orange and our bodies have actually evolved to like kind of go to sleep with the sun set and wake up with the sunrise so what happens is that um our circadian rhythm is disproportionately affected to stay awake by blue light and so the more sources of blue light you have the more likely your circadian rhythm is to think that you're supposed to be awake during that time so what actually happens in modern society is that we have a lot of screens. Nowadays, we have this like huge source of light, which is screens and fluorescent light. And both of those are largely um, like blue light focused, um, especially our screens and fluorescent lights. Like incandescent lights are a little bit better. But there's a lot of like artificial sources of blue light, whereas previously there, there, that wouldn't have been the case. Like you would have only been able to light a candle or like a gas lamp or something like that. Right. And so with this new like kind of influx of blue light, um, our circadian rhythms are kind of being tricked into thinking that we're supposed to be awake and we're having worse and worse quality of sleep because all of us are on our phones right before you go to bed. So, I mean, there are a number of things you can do to kind of combat that. Um, there's these app, like things, there's this app called flux F Lux, that a lot of people use. There's, you know, night mode on Mac and iPhone now. Um, but what is something I use is blue light glasses. Um, so those like are just glasses I put on like, you know, after 8 PM ish. And because I usually sleep a lot, around like 11 p.m. and I wake up around like 6:30, so um, like having those glasses definitely helps me kind of like wind down throughout my day and like kind of get in the mood for sleep. But another huge thing is just not using screens for up to an hour before you fall asleep, and I think that's probably the best thing you could do to like, in t from a technological perspective, to kind of like help your sleep. This is the hardest thing you can do too, though. Like, I can't, I can't go for an hour without my phone. <laughs> it is Are super sure? hard, bro. It is super hard. But yeah. But it gives you an opportunity to, to kind of tackle. Maybe if you had like a reading list you've been meaning to tackle, or even just gives you some time for pause and reflection. Maybe do some journaling. Absolutely. I don't know. Pick up some art or something. Yeah. Prep some meals for the day after. Like, there's a lot you can do with an hour. Yeah. And it, it, it's a really good point you bring up in terms of like journaling or reading or something like that. Because another thing that like is really helpful for your sleeping quality is having something of like a bedtime routine and a morning routine. So the, yeah. that kind of like cues your body that you're going to go to sleep. So, um, as an example, like my bedtime routine is like around like, you know, 9 30 ish. I put all my screens away. Uh, I have my glasses on already, so like I've already kind of mitigated as much blue light as I can. Um, from 9.30 to 10-ish, I journal, and then from 10 to like 11, I read. Almost every like weeknight, pretty much. Unless like I have dinner plans or like I'm going out or something like that. Pretty much every night from like 10 to 11, I read. And like the journaling kind of allows me to process the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, the reading, um, obviously, like I just love reading. So it's just like a good habit to have for sure. Uh, but beyond that, like 
also helps me wide down and cue to my body that this is the time I'm supposed to be sleeping because after I do this every time I go to sleep. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like brushing your teeth, right? Like it's just like a part of my nighttime routine now. Like I couldn't, I can't go to sleep unless I've read for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes at least. Right. So, um, so that's been a really good way for me to kind of associate that time with sleep. Another thing with reading is like, if you're reading on a Kindle or like a physical book, you don't actually have any blue light sources because they don't have a backlight. So that's, that's been a really good thing mm-hmm. for me as well. So I would recommend doing that instead of reading on your computer or something like that. Um, and finally, adding to that, it's really important to kind of associate the place you sleep with only with sleep. Um, so what I mean by that is um, all your activities that you do throughout your day should not be on your bed. Almost nothing you do should be on your bed. You should associate your bed only with sleep. And that way, once you get into bed, the, the only thing you've associated your bed with is sleep. So you'll like pretty much fall asleep immediately. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. this is harder for people with like, you know issues like insomnia and shit. But this definitely helps in, in that sense because, like, yeah, like having that bedtime routine to be like being outside of your place of sleep and then transitioning to a place of sleep kind of signals and cues your mind to like go into sleep mode. So that's something that's really helped me as well. So I do all my reading and journaling like at my desk, and it's like an active decision I make to like go back to my bed at the end of the day. Yeah, those are really great points. And like we, science has showed us time and time again how heavily our brain relies on environmental cues for just processing the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like r- routine is super important for our brains. It just it makes it easier for us to go throughout the day without exerting too much um, effort. And the the whole like taking an hour before you go to bed to kind of wind down and build up that that routine that habit like. It's going to be super difficult at first, especially for people who have historically relied on just staying on their phones and up until they fall asleep. Mm-hmm. But just try and stick through it because, you know, once you can get into that proper habit of doing that, then first of all, you're going to be learning a lot more. You're going to be doing a lot more reflection or like meditation, whatever you choose to do at that time. You're going to be a lot more productive right before you go to sleep. And I think that makes people feel a lot better about going to sleep. You know, like I felt like I, I earned my sleep today. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah, anxiety is a big thing too, right? Like, cause like a lot of people are like anxious that they haven't gotten enough done, so that like yeah. either they like delay their sleep until they've gotten enough done, or they like go to sleep but they're like anxious, so it's hard for them to fall asleep. And so those are both horrible recipes for like obviously your energy and like your sleep quality and things like that. So definitely like right. having a habit in place that signifies to you like oh like this is the end of the day especially journaling has helped with that too where like i reflect on everything i accomplished throughout the day and i'm like you know like this is what i've accomplished throughout the day and this is like kind of like the marker of the things i've done that day like the day is done because i've done these things and then i have like good faith to go to sleep you know what i mean and there's a few other things you can do including setting up your environment in a way that's more conducive to staying and maintaining in a uh, deeper sleep state so if you can get blackout curtains or if not at the very least like an eye mask mm-hmm. or um and even one thing that's been found to help sleep quality is actually keeping a what are you showing me earplugs, earplugs? yes Jeez. bro earplugs are a key i mean mostly because uh some people in my house are on phone calls late <laughs> but oh, okay gotcha. yeah but yeah earplugs are so key i literally cannot sleep without earplugs now so yeah minimizing the amount of stimuli that's entering your room while you're asleep Definitely. um and also like if you can keep your room slightly colder while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. it's actually more conducive to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Um, and if you can, like even taking a hot shower right before bed, 
allows for some vasodilation that blood flow throughout the rest of your body and that also has been found to allow for more conducive uh, or better deeper sleep socks also apparently if you wear socks when you sleep um your body kind of like draws away heat from the rest of your body so um it'll actually end up helping you fall asleep quicker so yeah which is so that's something i actually found weird because like i personally don't like sleeping with socks on. oh yeah I, it just feels weird it feels weird to me i, love I don't sleeping like it with socks on. i don't know really yeah it's so cozy yeah i don't know but yeah that's fair that's totally fair i don't know it's just i feel like when i wake up i just feel like my feet are so like dry or something like it just <laughs> it feels weird it feels weird true, true, true. um but yeah like i guess we've really like hit a lot of different bases uh when it comes to sleep on this episode mm-hmm. i have one last thought i just want to put out there is that you know based on our conversation and based on some of the other lessons gained from uh, learning about the topic it just seems like wakefulness really is just low-level brain damage so get your sleep so you can avoid that absolutely man don't let that adenosine build up bro you want you want that shit out of your brain for sure so yeah stay treat yourself right yeah stay cozy guys get enough sleep treat yourself to like a nine hours you know there's nothing better on a friday night than to say no to everybody and just go to sleep (laughs) at 9 p.m and wake up the next morning out here quarantining yourself oh yeah nobody's giving you invites anyways bro so just go to sleep man um anyways yeah thanks for listening um as always let us know if you have any critiques or anything like that and we'll be back at you with another episode next week cheers all right good night sleep tight